thankful to have a place to come where we can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 12. Text is verse 1 and 2 again. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue on this teaching today. Uh, let's recap what we learned last Sunday. You can be seated. And uh, Romans chapter 1 through 11, we went over real quick last week and we found out that uh, there is sin in the world and we need salvation from sin, and we learned last week that the need for salvation from sin is universal, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We learned that our sin, our justification comes by faith, that we have to walk by faith and not by sight, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, that Every man is given the measure of faith, and we are justified by faith. We learn that we can only access God's righteousness through faith. And faith is a necessary element of salvation and freedom from sin. We learned last week that faith is not just believing. Uh, you have to believe to have faith. The Bible says if somebody's going to come to God, they must first believe that He is. you got to believe. And they have to be believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. But we learn that faith is not just believing, but faith is belief in action. For faith to be true faith, there has to be some action with it. That's why the Bible tells us that faith without works is what? dead faith without works is dead so the bible says show me your faith without your works and i'll show you my faith by my works my faith has action and if we're going to be successful living for god if we're going to be delivered from sin we're going to have to have some action to our faith and the result of salvation romans teaches us is freedom Freedom from wrath, freedom from sin, freedom from the law, freedom from death. And we learned last week that where law is, there is liberty. It's not that we're negating the law, we just don't live by the law. We learn the principles of the law, apply them to our lives, and because of that we have the liberty to live for God. We also learned last week that freedom comes with boundaries. Um, one of the problems our nation is seeing right now is the destruction of law and boundaries, and chaos is everywhere. And because of that, we're losing our liberties. Pray every day, God will turn it around. We learned 
Romans chapter 1 through 11 teaches that the Jew and the Gentile can come to God. Aren't you glad that we as Gentiles have an opportunity to be saved? We learned that God chooses to save those that believe. Again, if you're going to come to God, you've got to believe there's a God. That's kind of <laughs> makes sense today, doesn't it? Um, we learned that Israel chose to serve God in their own righteousness. But we understand today that our righteousness is as filthy rags and we must have His righteousness applied to our lives. We learned Romans 1 through 11 teaches that true faith hears and obeys. If you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man who sees his face in a glass and sees who he is, but when he turns around and walks away, he forgets who he is. And he doesn't obey what he saw. Faith without works is dead. He taught all this. And then he said in our text today, I beseech you therefore. I beseech you therefore. Because of all this, I beseech you therefore. Because of this. Because of our ability to be delivered from sin because of God's grace and salvation that is available to us through faith. Because of this, therefore, we are to present our bodies. Everybody say, my body. Did you know it matters what you do with your body? God cares what we do with our body. And Romans 12 and 1 tells us what to do with our body. Because we have salvation, Paul said, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Aren't you glad we get to be a living sacrifice and we don't have to crawl up on an altar somewhere and have somebody tie us to an altar and end our lives? That would be kind of pointless, wouldn't it? We wouldn't have many converts that way, would we? <laughs> but thankfully, when we come to God and we crucify our flesh, we get liberty. We get life. We get to live for God. Romans 11, 33 and 36, right before chapter 12 begins, we read... The Apostle Paul wrote, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor, or who hath first given to Him, and it shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Sounds to me like everything's about Him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Him. And when we are born again of the water and the Spirit and we enter into the kingdom of God, we begin to live His will, not ours. What Paul calls for is no more and no less than the appropriate and expected response of this mercy of God. He's not calling for something that doesn't balance the scales out. God gave us life. He gave us liberty. He gave us a new chance. He gave us deliverance from sin. So because of that, we ought to present our bodies a living sacrifice. 
We talked last week how we have to present our bodies ourselves. Nobody else can do it for us. We choose to present our bodies to God. We choose to present our lives to God. It's, it's a choice that we have to make. It, it's an action that we have to take. And we talked about where sacrifices are made. They're made on an altar. What happens on an altar? Death happens on an altar. Death to will happens on an altar. Again, thank God, we get to keep on living, but we have to crucify our flesh. We have to put our will on the altar. We have to die out to self. Uh, Romans 5, verses 12 through 21, we went over, um, and we talked about how we experience God's mercy as a power that exerts total and all-encompassing claim upon us. Of course God gets to claim our entire self. He redeemed us. We belong to Him. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. But I'll take the trade. I think I got the best end of the deal. I think I got The best part of the trade. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for putting your coats on so Sister Wood would know it's cold in here and she can turn the hair up a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We served sin before we came to God. We did. But we don't serve sin anymore. Now we are to be serving God. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he said this, holy. Everybody say holy. We talked about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. You, we did things before we came to God, and we did them in our ignorance because we didn't know. But now we know. And we're not supposed to be walking the way we were walking before we came to Christ because now we know. We're supposed to be obedient now. But as he which hath faith called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And we talked about that word holy. It means sacred, and it means that in three different areas. That word holy there means sacred. It means physically pure. That's the outward. It means morally blameless. That's the inward. And it means ceremonially consecrated that's how we live for God so when it says be ye holy for I am holy it encompasses our outward man our inward man and how we live for God and he said you ought to present your bodies a living sacrifice holy now we ought to do it entirely but that's not what it's talking about it means that our ways are now his ways his ways are now our ways. We don't get to choose to live like we lived before we came to God. People do, but then they don't receive the blessings of God. 
If we expect God to hold up his end of the bargain, and we do or we wouldn't be here, then he expects us to hold up our end of the bargain by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice that is holy. And that's where we left off last week. And then he said, not only are we to present our bodies a living sacrifice that is holy, he said it needs to be a living sacrifice that is holy, acceptable to God. Everybody say to God. We're not doing what we're doing to try to please a man. We need to be acceptable to God. We're not doing what we're doing to try to appease an organization. We're doing what we're doing to please God. We're not doing what we're doing to try to appease ourselves. We are, we are doing what we're doing to be found acceptable to God. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today. First or 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are not here to please man or ourselves or anything or anyone else other than God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Aren't you thankful that what we see today is not all there's going to be? It, it, what did Paul say? If, if this is all we get, we are of all men most miserable. Why? Because we're missing out on a lot of fun. There is pleasure in sin. The Bible says that. But it's only for a season. And we're not going to trade our ability to be accepted by God for a season of fun here because it ain't all about here. We're, we're doing this to get somewhere else. What did Abraham look for? A city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And Paul said, we know that when this body is gone away, we have a building of God. It's a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. You ever get tired of fighting your flesh? <laughs> you ever get tired of struggling with your thought life? We groan to see that, and you've heard it said before, and I agree with it. I want to see Jesus, just not right now, right? I want to see him when he's ready for me to see him. Praise God. I, I don't live for God because I'm miserable being a human being. I love life. I'm living life to its fullest. I have life and that more abundantly. Praise God. But down inside, I want to see him. Down inside, I can't wait till I get to cast my crown at his feet. Down inside, I'm ready to be loosed from the bonds of this earth. But until then, I'm going to enjoy life and that more abundant. If so, verse 3, if so that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. 
there can come a time, and there should come a time, in the life of every child of God, when we are able to trust God enough that whatever happens on the outside doesn't affect what happens on the inside. Life shouldn't swallow us up. We should swallow life up. I heard a man give an illustration one time. He, he gave the illustration of a small boy holding on to a leash. And on the other end of that leash was a big old dog. And that dog was just dragging that little boy all over the sidewalk and all over the yard. And, and that, that dog was just having his way with that little boy. And that little boy had had enough. And he finally, when the dog stopped for a minute, he ran to the end of that leash and grabbed him a handful of fur. And he said, you listen here to me. You're my dog. I'm not your boy. And some of us, we let life jerk us around and we let life bring us where we don't want to go. We let life has a hold of our leash dragging us around. And when we get a little bit of calmness, we need to grab that leash and run to the other end of it and look life in the face and say, you're my life. I'm not your boy. And when we take responsibility for our own selves, we'll begin to have life more abundant. It's not just going to happen. Oh, God gave me the Holy Ghost. Everything, well, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. Verse 5, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That's what happens when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We get the earnest of what it's going to be like. And as good as the Holy Ghost is here, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like over there. We get the earnest of our inheritance. Therefore, we are always confident. I want to ask you a question today. Don't answer out loud. Are you always confident? Are you always confident? I'm not. You know why I'm you you know what happens when I get unconfident? I'm not walking in the earnest of the spirit. My flesh has arisen. I'm not I'm not walking after the spirit. I I've begun to walk after the flesh. Now that doesn't mean I'm trying to go out there and sin. It means I'm beginning to think like a human and not like a child of God anymore. I'm not I'm not allowing the spirit to reign in me. Worry is reigning in me. Fear is reigning in me. Doubt is reigning in me. Un, uh, uh, things are, are reigning that shouldn't be reigning in a child of God's life. And because of that, I lose confidence. I lose confidence in me. I lose confidence in others. I lose confidence in God. How do you get that confidence back? You present your body a living sacrifice. You die out to self and you get the earnest of that inheritance back. You pray back through to the Holy Ghost and you get that confidence back. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. If we try to live for God with our natural eye, we'll be miserable all the time. When we begin to learn to live for God with our spiritual eye, doesn't matter what goes on around us. It doesn't affect us. 
and we can continually be confident. Verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, verse 9, we just talked about faith and works and faith without works is dead and uh, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. We're confident. Wherefore, we labor. Everybody say labor. Isn't that another word for work? <laughs> we labor. Why? Why do we, why do we labor in this living for God? Why is it we don't just... Uh, I grew up... I, I didn't grow up believing this, okay? Here's what I grew up. I grew up believing that I could accept the Lord as my personal Savior. I believe that because I was taught that. Let's keep reading verse 9. Why do we labor? Why do we work so hard at this living for God? Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. The Bible doesn't teach that I have to accept Him. The Bible teaches I have to do my part so He will accept me. Why do I live this way? Why do I present my body a living sacrifice? Why do I present myself holy? Why do I want to be acceptable to God? Because we only get one shot at this. We only get one chance to get this right. When, when the lights go out for us or the trumpet sounds and we all go, it's over. You don't get any do-overs in this. And we don't know when that's going to be. We don't know when our number's going to be called, and we don't know when the trumpet's going to sound. And we have to be accepted by Him, not we accept Him. He's God. What about Him would you not accept? Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him, for we must. Everybody say must. You don't have a choice. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one, everybody say that's me, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I wonder what I'm going to get when I get to heaven. I know what we're going to get when we get to heaven. We're going to get what we gave. Isn't that what it said? Every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. Righteousness, we're going to receive righteousness. Holiness, we're going to receive holiness. Disobedience, we're going to receive disobedience. Unbelief, we're going to receive unbelief. It matters what we do in this body. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say today. Whether it's good or bad, we're going to give an account. That's what that's saying. We're going to have to give an account for what we did here. Now, there's two judgments. Uh, we talked about this with someone the other day. There's two judgments. When you die, there's a judgment. Where are you going? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Yes or no? That chooses it. 
then at the second resurrection, we're all going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for what we did in this body. Those of us whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who have an advocate, those of us who have the blood covering us, thank God. Because I don't want to have to stand before Him with all the stuff in my past. I, I can't do it. He's holy. So we will stand and we will give account for the deeds that we have done in our body and we'll either say Calvary or we'll say, oh man, I sure wish I'd have got right before this happened. But there ain't no do-overs. You don't get a second chance. You get one here. You get a second chance here, a third chance here, a fourth chance here, a fifth chance here, until, the Bible says, you sear your conscience with a hot iron. See, you can, you can keep tripping over these chances of God until you finally say to yourself, well, there ain't nothing to this. I'll just keep living that way anyway. Or you'll fool yourself enough to think you got God fooled. Or, the Bible says, God will send you a strong delusion that you'll believe a lie and be damned. Why? Because you receive not a love of the truth. But God sent you to church today, so Pastor Wood could tell you, don't go down that road. <laughs> Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now, we don't have time to go down the road of acceptable to God. We taught that for how many weeks the last few months? There are things that God accepts. And there are things God doesn't accept. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you don't know what this book says God accepts, you might want to find out. If you don't know what this book says is an abomination to God, you might want to find out. We've taught it here for weeks. I don't have time to go down that today. I hope you know what God accepts and what He doesn't. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And man, that sure don't make sense that I have to live that way. Man, I just don't understand why God won't let me live like I want to live. It just is too hard to live for God. There can't nobody live this way. It's too hard. Is that what Paul said? That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, which is your reasonable service. He doesn't ask anything of us that is unreasonable. What, is, what does that mean? What is something that's reasonable? It means it's able to be reasoned. It means we ought to be able to sit down and say, I don't know your testimony as much as, as I know mine. I can sit down and say I was an alcoholic who smoked a pack a day, dipped a roll a week, and was fixing to lose my family. And somebody came to me and they said, you can have all of that washed away in baptism in Jesus' name and get your slate wiped clean and get a new life. And I said, that sounds like a bargain to me. And now when life gets hard and now when, when the enemy tries to pull me away, I can sit down and I'm able to reason that what God has called me to do is such a better life 
than what I lived before He found me. This is my reasonable service. Now, I know your flesh don't like living this way. Nobody's does. But it goes right back to the text we talked about. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident. When? When we're full of the Holy Ghost. Living for God is easy. I hadn't said this in a while. When you live for God easy, it's hard. But when you live for God hard, it's easy. And if you're struggling living this life, if you're struggling living this way, it may be that you're not living it hard enough. You're not putting enough oomph into living for God. Because if you'll live for God hard, it's easy. Why? Because you have His Spirit in you, reminding you, giving you confidence, letting you know every day, man, I can live this. Yes, I can live this. No, my flesh is telling me I can't live this. Well, present your body one more time to an altar. Die out to yourself. Tell yourself, you're going to live for God today. I can't do it a whole day. You're going to live for God this hour. I can't do it a whole hour. You're going to live for God this minute. Man, a minute. I don't know. You're going to live for God the next second. Oh, I did it. I lit. Let me add another one to it. I live for God a minute. Let me add another one to it. Oh, I made it an hour. I might have been locked up in my closet by myself. Wasn't nobody around but me and Jesus. <laughs> but I was able to exist for an hour for God. Do it again. When you're done, do it again. When you're done, do it again. And before long, you will have lived a life for God. Listen, there's not one person in here that's lived for God for any time who hasn't had a bad day and wanted to quit. There's not one of us in here that hadn't had our flesh rise up and say, are you crazy? They can't nobody live like this. They don't nobody on your job live like this. What are you doing trying to live like this? I'm reasoning. I have the ability to weigh what I have against what I had. And I got the best of the trade. I don't want to go back. I can't go back. I told Sister Wood one time, if I ever backslide, run. I know where I was when God found me. I know what the Bible says. What does it say? It says the Spirit leaves a man, goes out, looks for somewhere to rest. The evil spirit leaves a man. When God saves us, all that junk leaves. Well, guess what? It's going to come back every now and then. And what is it supposed to find? A house that's clean and in order. And... But if it's empty, if there's nothing dwelling in that house that's been put in order, the Bible says that spirit will go and get seven more worse than him and come 
and make abode in that. What does that mean? That means when God delivers us and He cleans us up, we need to keep Him inside of us. That's why the Bible says if, you're, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. Why? Because those things are going to try to come back. And when they knock on the door, Jesus ought to answer the door. And I guarantee you, when He answers the door, they'll run. Resist the devil and he'll flee, the Bible says. But if you ain't full of the Holy Ghost and you walk away from this, seven more is going to come. Oh, I know people that backslid got a better life than they had living for God. Yeah, the devil is a liar. You don't know them in the dark night. You don't know them when they have troubles. You don't know them when, the, anyway. This is the best life. And it is our reasonable service. Why? For all the benefits we receive that word reasonable it means spiritually pertaining to reason or logic it means pertaining to the soul it means agreeable to reason it means following reason or logical now we don't live for God by logic some of the things God has done in my life didn't make sense I couldn't figure them out with my mind that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight that's why the Bible says the carnal mind is enmity with God it can't see the things of God first Peter chapter 2 first Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Let me tell you something. This right here is the most reasonable book on the planet. This right here. God's word is reasonable. You're able to reason the things of God's word. Oh, it just doesn't make sense to me. Keep coming, keep reading, keep studying, keep praying, keep fasting. God's Word is reasonable. God's Word makes sense. If, verse 3, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If so be. If you found when you came to God... Everything he did was reasonable, was gracious, was merciful. Do you remember when God found you and pulled you out? Maybe you were raised in church. It doesn't matter. There had to come a time when each and every one of us, God found us and pulled us out. And it, it was merciful. It was gracious. So, therefore, that's what Paul said. So because of that, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of man, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. There it is again. My life, I have to live it to be acceptable to Him. 
not to men, not to family, not to work, not to school, not to reason, man's reason. I have to live it to God's reason. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, verse 6, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Isn't he precious? Isn't he a, an awesome and precious God to you? But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye, everybody say me, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. We're, we're not like everybody else. We're, we're not trying to fit into the world's mold. We're not trying to be what the world is. He called us out of that. He called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in times past were not a people but are now the people of God. Again, we're all Gentiles here. We don't deserve to be here. <laughs> we didn't have a chance. And yet, God saw fit that we could be a part of the family of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, verse 11, I beseech ye as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And that brings us to verse 2 of our text, and we're... I think we'll be able to get done today. So he told them, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he said this, Be not conformed to this world. As we just said, you don't want the world to put you in their box. The world has a box. Well, they used to. I don't know what they're doing now. <laughs> I don't think they know what they're doing now. They, they, they're just making it up as they go. That's quite obvious, isn't it? Um, anyway, we don't want to run that rabbit today. But the world has an agenda, and the world has an idea of what life is supposed to be. And it's, it, it's not reasonable. It doesn't make sense. Um, I heard a man say just yesterday, Every person living, every person living, every, everybody say every, every person living was born. And they were born of a woman. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You came from a woman. And ain't nothing, nobody says going to change that. Nobody ever. 
that was ever born, ever, never, ever, was born of a man. Ever. Ain't nothing going to change that. They can say whatever they want. That's the world's way. They make it up and just go with it. And they expect us to okay. Uh-uh. That's not reasonable. You sit down and think about it. It don't make sense. That's why Paul said, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Changed. We were all born in sin and shaping in iniquity, but that doesn't mean we have to stay that way. We're supposed to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Now, he wrote this to the church. He didn't write this to sinners. This is an epistle to a church. Now, we're all sinners. I don't, I, we don't have time to chase that down today, do we? I get it. But what I'm trying to say is, he was telling Christians, just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have to renew your mind again. And again, and again, and again. What happens? Well, I go to work every day. And I'm in the world eight hours a day, ten hours a day, twelve hours a day, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week. I'm out there in the world. I have to, I have to, I have to exist in the world. I rub shoulders with the world. Well, I hope you do. That's how you're going to win somebody to God. <laughs> We're not going to sit in this room till Jesus comes. We're going to go out there and we're going to win them to God, right? But when we're out there, some of that worldliness can affect our mind. And things we see affect our mind. And things we hear affect our mind. And, and things we're a part of affect our mind. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to be drawn away to the things of the world. They'll try to put us in their little box. But he said... Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you start, you've heard it, I'm sure, that stinking thinking. When you start that stinking thinking, you need to get into the habit of recognizing it. Wait a minute. That's not right, because if you're not careful... Here's the, here's the slippery slope of the world. All they want you to do is take one step. They just want one. They just want one step away from righteousness. Because when you take that step, it's not stairs. It's a slide. It's not a flight of stairs down to where they're at. It's a slide. It's a slippery slope. And the Apostle Paul says... You've got to have your mind renewed. You've got, to, you've got to get the mind of Christ. How do you do that? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Don't be conformed. Be transformed by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We teach the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what the book teaches. We teach, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. 
except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. But when you are born again of the water and the spirit, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, your flesh don't like it. Now, it'll, it'll stay dormant for a while because when you come to God, or at least it did for me, man, this was the greatest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. When I felt my sins leave my body and I felt clean for the first time in my life, I, the devil didn't mess with me. He, he knew there wasn't no use in messing with me. But it didn't take long down the road. I don't remember what time frame it was. It's different for everybody. But at his first opportunity... He stuck his foot in the door. Hmm, I got a little toehold in there now. And then he stuck an arm in. And then he stuck a shoulder in. And for long he took an elbow and tried to pry that door open. And if I hadn't had a man of God tell me, listen, the enemy's going to come against you. But when he comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord's going to lift up a standard against him. That's why we have standards. So at times we're not thinking right. We can look back to the standard. The standard is the rallying point of the army. That's where the base camp is at. It's where the standard goes up. And then when they go to battle, they take that standard. You've got to be able to renew your mind. You've got to be able to receive the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Why? That ye may prove. Everybody say prove. That ye may have some proof. See, if we came to God and He cleaned us up and life was all right for a little while, but then everybody just drifted away, we wouldn't have any proof. But when we can come to God and He cleans us up and He gives us this new life and then trouble comes our way and we're able to go to an altar and we find Him one more time, and He refills us again, and His mercy is new every morning, and His grace is always sufficient, and we're able to plug back in and get that Spirit of Christ again and get that, get that move of God and that renewing of our mind again. You do that enough, and you got some proof. Proof of what? That ye may prove what is that good. Everybody say good. This is a good life. It's the best life. What is that good and acceptable and perfect Christian? Is that why we do it? So we can prove what a good, perfect, acceptable Christian is supposed to live like? No. <laughs> Ain't none of us perfect. Our perfection is a direction. Our perfection is where we're headed. Our perfection is making up our mind. I'm going to live for God and the striving that way. He said, you ought to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a perfect will of God for everybody in here. There's a perfect will of God for everybody in Lebanon. There's a perfect will of God for everybody in Wilson County. There's a perfect will of God for everybody in Tennessee, in America, in the world. There is a perfect will of God. What did he say? He said, I have an expected end for you. There's a reason everybody was born. Nobody was born by accident. Nobody was born by happenstance. Everybody was born with a purpose. 
And the only way you're ever going to prove what that is is if you're willing to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The only way you're going to prove that is to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why you have a church. That's why you have a pastor. That's why you have a Bible. That's why you have the ability to fast. That's why you have God. He's not some spare tire in the trunk of your car that when you're riding down life's road, you run over a nail and you get a flat. So you pull over and you say, man, I'm sure glad I got God in the trunk of my car. And you walk back there and take God out and put him on. And you take that tire and go get it fixed. And then that's God now. And you put it in the trunk. That's not how you live for God. The way to live for God is every day. Every day, get up. I, I, I've shared it with you before. I say good morning to him every morning. It's the first thing I do. Good morning, Lord. And I, you might not do that. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just telling you, I want him to know I'm glad he's there. <laughs> I get up saying, thank you for your mercy. One more time, I don't have to worry. I can go. Why do I go to an early morning prayer? Because I want my day to be right with God. I want to start my day in His presence. I want to come to God. Now, you don't have to come here to the building with us. We enjoy it when you do. We have good prayer when you do. But if you can't make it, we get it. But somewhere, start your day in His presence. Start your day with the renewing of your mind. Start your day with Jesus on. We, we used to sing that old song. I, I think Brother Roger said he remembered it. I don't know if anybody else remembered it. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Remember that? We ought to wake up every morning with Jesus on our mind. Not this. Is that the first thing you do when you get up? Please don't do that. You're, you're being conformed. You're being put in a box. Lord. Somebody kill all them rabbits. They're running everywhere. <laughs> Walter, Wesley, do y'all believe that there was, when I was in high school, there wasn't even the internet? <laughs> wasn't no such thing as the internet. When I was in high school, you had to walk over to the wall, pick up this big old thing, and start. <laughs> <sighs> What's happening? The world is encroaching. The world is pressing in. The world is doing its best. And if you'll study it, it gets quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And the time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. It's not time to let down. It's time we present our bodies and become acceptable to God. Let's all stand. Lord, we thank you today for another opportunity to look into your word. We thank you today for a chance to look and see that we need to be acceptable to you, that you have some things that you would like for us to be doing while we're here. We want to be pleasing to you, God. Help us, Lord, every day to present our bodies a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.
We'll take a few minutes break today before we change the order of the service. Please let our visitors know we're glad he's here today.